All right. Um, so the first discussion that we have uh, for our uh, kickoff pilot campfire sessions is what is sin and repentance? Um, and I think this is a fantastic question because sin and repentance, like if, if you've been around the church long enough, this is one of those, this is, there's, there's a, a phenomenon out there that says if you use a word long enough and if you say a word enough, it kind of loses its meaning, right? Like, so we, if you've been in the Christian circles for long enough, you've heard sin probably your whole life. Um, and probably long enough, you're just like, I don't, it's kind of this nebulous idea that's kind of floating inside my head that I really don't have uh, a way to define it. And, I, and, if, and if you're that way, I'm that way. And I don't think you're alone in uh, feeling, feeling that. Um, growing up, it was always kind of thrown out as like, well, sin is what I don't like or sin is my preferences or my pet peeves or sin kind of is like this word is used very um, not seriously at times. Um, growing up in kind of the background that I did, uh, we had these long lists of things that were sins, right? It was, it was just to give you an example, I went to a, um, a youth retreat at this winter camp. It was a pretty conservative camp. Um, and we were, and me and my friends, we brought playing cards, and we brought playing cards, and we started playing poker um, with a bunch of like middle school, high schoolers. And this worker from this camp walked in, and he goes, "Uh oh, you need to throw those things into the fire right now. They are sinful and wicked." And I'm like, I, I think I missed that part in Leviticus somewhere <laughs> where like talks about playing cards. And I'm sure you guys have your lists of things that you're told that have been sin for you or could be sin in general. Um, so what is sin? I think we, I think we kind of have to have at least somewhat of a working idea or definition about this. So we're going to try to do that today. Um, I think what we want to do just really quickly is understand what the Bible has to say when it talks about sin in general. Does it give us lists? Is it more of an idea? What is it? Um, so a couple things to start off. First, I want to say this, like the Bible is not univocal when it comes to defining what sin is, okay? That means a lot of different people have different ideas and different ways to communicate this image of sin. Um, let me give you an example. Um, we've, we've got lists in the New Testament, particularly in the, in, in the epistles, where Paul typically says like, the fornicators, the adulterers, the liars, the sorcerers, they will like, so he gives us lists of things. And I think historically we've kind of thought about those as these are sinful acts, sinful behaviors. Um, and, I, and I love how it has liars in there, right? Like liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like that's, that's, kind, of how, that's kind of the language that we talk about. But then we also know that there's a story about Rahab in, in Hebrews 11, where Rahab is now listed as one of the heroes of the faith. Do we remember why she's listed as a hero of the faith? Because she lied to protect spies from danger, right? So, so is, lie, is lying a, a sin or is it not? Like the Bible's, the, the Bible's not univocal about this. Um, so my, my like caution or kind of, encouragement for us as we have these discussions is the stories that we have in the scripture about people who are trying to figure out 
how to be God's people in their place at any, at, in, in their particular context in their time. Um, so we can, we can usually say, like, the, these contradictions, there are these seeming contradictions in the Bible, they're not necessarily made for us to figure out a way to resolve them. And I think that's kind of my first, like, my first, um, I don't know, intention is to figure out, okay, well, maybe Rahab did this because of this. And, like, don't worry about resolving some of these seeming con- seemingly contradicting passages. What they're meant for us to do is they're meant for us to continue to dive deeper and figuring out what is really trying to be communicated here. Okay? Um, so let that contradiction kind of stay, but pull you deeper into what the Bible has to say, to say for us. Um, all of this is to say, like, defining sin is hard. Because um, the Bible doesn't really give us a one concrete working definition of sin. It gives us ideas. It gives us metaphor. It gives us idiom about what sin is. And I think, and I think we've talked about it in the past, right? Like we've talked about metaphor and idioms and all these things. Um, I think the one that sticks out to me was Mark said, um, hunger is the best sauce in the world or something like that. Like what, what, is, what was it? Like yeah, it was hunger, a, yeah. hunger is the best sauce in the world, right? That's an idiom. Hunger is not a sauce. Like we know that. You're not going to pour a bunch of hunger on your spaghetti when you go, go to make a meal. That doesn't make sense. Um, but they use these idioms and metaphor to get about a bigger idea about the message that they're trying to communicate. Um, so what does the Bible do? The Bible doesn't offer working de- definitions. It offers stories of people who are trying to figure out what it means to be God's people in their own time and place. So I'm going to give a, an attempt at a working definition Um, It's not going to, I don't think it's going to appease anybody's questions, really. Like, there's still going to be a lot of these questions around, well, what about this? Or what about this? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't don't know about those things. But here's kind of my working definition. I've got five idioms and metaphors that the Bible uses to speak about sin. And then I'll turn it over to Mark for, like, all right, now what do we do? What does repentance look like? Um, Some of those things. So... My working definition or my working idea about what sin is. We have to start with this big biblical idea of shalom. Okay? We've talked about shalom a lot here uh, in the past few years. But it's this idea of universal flourishing where everybody has what they need uh, to flourish and enjoy, like, enjoy each other, enjoy creation, and enjoy God. Like, that's the, that's the ideal situation that this world has been created for, that we have been created for, that we can accurately reflect God's image uh, is in this idea of shalom, this universal flourishing. But sin is a problem when someone causes harm to somebody else and breaks that flourishing, breaks that shalom, okay? So when the Bible talks about sin, the, the writers usually talk about something much deeper than one-off rule-breaking, right? We tend to think of sin as, and I think a lot of people think of sin as breaking a law, and I think that's part of it. Like, that's, a, that's part of um, a symptom of what sin is. But this larger picture of sin is um, 
It's, it's, it's shalom breaking. It's an offense against God. It's offense against our neighbors. They're talking, the writers usually talk about corruption of God's good world that shows up in human relationships and our choices, something that we do and something that happens to us. We're going to use words like we are victims and we are perpetrators. And I think that gets to some of those ideas. So um, we see all these behaviors and we see like our rule breaking as a symptom of this bigger picture of sin, not necessarily like not necessarily the core of what it is. Okay, Um, a few weeks ago, we had a dead bunny in our um, in our uh, window well. It was smelly. It was gross. What we could have done is we could have put an air freshener in there and be like, okay, that problem is dealt with. But not really. Like, that bunny is still dead and rotting in there. And the only way to actually get rid of the problem is either just is to, like, remove the actual dead carcass out of my window well. Okay? So the, the smell was a symptom, not the actual problem. So some of these behaviors, they are symptoms of a bigger issue where um, like there's, there's something actually going on rather than just my bad behaviors or bad choices. Okay, so we can go into a lot of rabbit trails here. I, and, and I know that there's, there's opportunities. That was a bad. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was a bad. Well, all right. Nice segue. There we go. Um, I don't have another word for that, so I'm going to continue to use it. See, that's an idiom or something else. Um, okay, so we can go on a lot of rabbit trails about what sin is. Like, usually when theologians and scholars talk about what is sin and how do we deal with it, you start to get into the, all these atonement theories, right? Depending on who you ask, there's three to seven different atonement theories. There's penal substitutionary atonement. There's Christus Victor model. There's ransom theories. There's scapegoat theories. There's... All these different theories about how do we solve the problem of sin and what do we do with it. We can talk about that. We're not going to do it here today because we don't have time. I also want to know, people have been talking about this for centuries. We have 30 minutes. We're not going to get to everything uh, in, in this thing. So we do have some resources the way you can do some more research if you'd like. Um, so just kind of take that for what it's worth. Um, but a couple of notes on how the Bible talks about sin. I have five things. Um, I've, I got these from a podcast on the Bible for normal people talking about what is sin? How does the, how does the Old Testament talk about sin? And then on um, uh, the Bible project, it also comes up with three different ideas about how the Bible talks about sin. So the first one I want to talk about is um, sin as a weight or a burden. This is, this is one of the ways... One of the idioms or metaphors that the Bible talks about sin. And we see this in Leviticus chapter 16 and some other places. But Leviticus 16 is where the priests lay their hands on a scapegoat and they cast the scapegoat out into the wilderness. And it's this idea of taking the burden and the weight of the brokenness and, this, and the bad choices and the failings and putting it onto something else and putting that weight and burden and taking that weight and burden outside of the, outside of the actual community. 
Um, Dr. Gary Anderson, he's on the podcast on the Bible for normal people. He's a professor out of Notre Dame. He says it's kind of like um, um, uh, liturgical theater, where if you've seen pictures or you know sometimes you see it on commercials where you have these people who are kind of slouched over. Maybe they're suffering from some depression or some some like heavy weight or burden. You see them hunched over. You see a dark cloud above their head. You see them like just trying to get along with life. That's the weight that I think we can experience, right? Like I think that's a very practical explanation of this weight or a burden. Um, some of you might have like had that feeling when you've been out of a job. Like there's this weight or a heavy burden on you that that something's gonna get taken off when you get a job, or something's gonna get taken off, um, and then the and then the cloud goes away, and you can actually you know um, celebrate life and and all those things. But but it's that idea of a burden or a weight placed on you. Uh, the second thing, which I think is really interesting, it's called um, he he says it's sin as a debt. And I think a lot of us, um, when we read scriptures, we can come up with different, um, different ways that even Jesus uses this, sin as a debt, right? In the Lord's Prayer, um, forgive us as, uh, what is it? Sorry, brain fart. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? It's this idea as remitting a payment or remitting or like being owed something, but it's this idea of a debt. Matthew 18, there's this, unforgiving servant, right, who um, has, what is it, like $10,000 that he has been forgiven himself, but yet he won't forgive his worker of $100, right? That's that's the idea of sin as a debt. Um, Jesus tells parables about forgiveness of sins often. He often uses these financial idioms and financial stories to get about this idea. Um, Zacchaeus, like we're going to We've been in Luke for a while, and in Luke 19, we're going to talk about this idea of the way that salvation came to Zacchaeus was by repaying and restituting a debt. Like, that's how salvation came to his house. He exploited worker, he exploited people by collecting taxes, and the only way salvation came to his house was when he repaid and restituted the people who had been wronged. So that's sin as a debt. Um, sin as missing the goal. I think we've heard this one before, right? Like this is an archery term um, where like an archer is trying to hit the bullseye. There's a goal in front of him. Um, He shoots it and he misses it. Um, And sin is missing that target, which which is interesting because in my mind, I think I've always thought of sin as like a moral failing or a moral issue. And it doesn't seem like that's 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 always the case. Like if you were to, if you were to be an archer and you missed the bullseye, that's not a moral failing, right? And I and I think that scripture sometimes indicates that. Um, the first uh, the first time we see this word as sin missing the goal is in Genesis chapter four, where um, where God is uh, talking to Cain and he says, "If you do not choose what is good, sin or missing the goal is." crouching at your door. And it's this idea of we, we have been created with a particular goal, a particular end in mind, and that's to love God and love our neighbor. And so he's basically saying, like, 
you are about to do something and be tempted to miss that goal that you were intended for. Sin is crouching like a monster, waiting to pounce and corrupt us by missing the mark of loving God and others. Then we have sin as iniquity. Um, there's, lots of, there's, there's lots of places that um, uh, the Bible talks about sin as iniquity, but it's usually talking about like something that's bent or broken or twisted or distorted. Um, if you've ever had back problems, you kind of know what this feels like. Like the rest of you just, like back problems aren't a moral issue. <laughs> like that's just part of life. Um, but you can feel how that affects everything else. That twists every Normal things that you'd want to do, picking up your kids, picking up a load of laundry, mowing the yard, all these normal tasks are affected because of iniquity. There's crooked results and consequences, right? There's people who suffer because of crooked and twisted things. Whatever you read in the Psalms about like, we want to make these crooked ways straight, that's the talk about we want, we want to make things right, make things the way they were supposed to be again. Um, when we are abused and taken advantage of, we are experiencing the twistedness, the brokenness um, of what the world was meant to be. Okay? So, so far we have sin as a burden, sin as a debt, sin as missing the goal, sin as iniquity, and last one is sin as transgression. Um, one example is in Exodus 22, there was, um, there was an example of like if somebody breaks into your house and steals something, we call that a robbery, okay? Um, pretty, pretty, pretty basic. But when a neighbor breaks into your house to steal something, that's a transgression. That's like you have had trust broken. You have had um, um, something in there that was supposed to be good, and now that relationship with someone else who is trusted, who is a friend, who is a loved one, that relationship is now broken and scarred. So there's this interpersonal like uh, corruption or brokenness that people experience. Um, in Amos, it's also talked about how um, it's a choice to mistreat the poor or vulnerable people in their communities. Um, that is a transgression. Why? Because it is a brokenness against somebody else. Um, somebody else who like should be looked after or should be cared for. It's a brokenness against that. And there's lots of other ways that the Bible talks about sin, right? There's hamartia, which is the Greek word for sin. There's, there's a, it's like a general kind of umbrella for uh, sin. Um, but the Bible is not like univocal in its description of what sin is in every particular time and every particular instance. Sometimes they're different. Sometimes they're at odds with each other. But I think if, if, if we can kind of, and we'll, we'll ask you for maybe some of your guys' like either thoughts about working definitions of sin. Um, but all this is to say like, this is why working these things out amongst a community of people um, who, who love each other and uh, are, are here to help and are here to uh, be family together, like we can start hashing these things out, right? So um, those are just five ways that the Bible talks about sin. There's more. 
Uh, but I wanted to at least give uh, five um, ideas about what sin could be. Yeah. Good. So, so the five main metaphors, if we review them, um, debt, weight, um, missing, missing the goal, goal, right? Like an archery term, missing the goal. Um, iniquity, which is crookedness. And then transgression, which is broken trust, right? Um, those, are, those are the metaphors that the Bible is using when it's talking about the idea of sin. So what I want to ask you, you've got um, on your sheets, um, you've got some definitions of sin, okay? Um, you've got like the Oxford English Dictionary. You've got Merriam-Webster. Um, you've got a few theologians in there. Um, Scott McKnight was really helpful in his book, uh, Community Called Atonement. Um, he collects a bunch of these uh, in his section on sin. He says, if you want to understand what atonement is, well, first we need to know what we are being atoned for. Um, so he spent some time talking about like what is sin. Um, and so a lot of these quotes come um, from his book. Um, you've got J. Rodman Williams, Wolfhart Pannenberg, Grudem, um, Cornelius Plantinga, and then Scott McKnight has his own, um, which is kind of weird. He used the word icons. Icons is just humans. It's people who are made in the image of God and are meant to um, represent God to all of creation, right? So when you see icons, that's what he's talking about, the Imago Dei. It's people, people who are made in the image of God. So what I want to ask you is, what, um, one, what, what would you say is your working definition of sin? Like even off the top of your head? Um, or two, um, is there one of those definitions that you really connect to or that you think makes sense to you. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you about a minute or two. Um, take a look at those. Think about, like, even off the top of your head, what is your definition of sin? Um, Bobby mentioned, like, the Bible doesn't give us, like, a here's, here's the definition of sin. First um, John comes the closest, where if, if you remember the, in the King James, it's like, uh, sin is the transgression of the law. Um, and it feels like here's this really concise um, definition of sin. Um, if you read it in other translations, it's just like sin is lawlessness. Um, and then it gets even more complicated because what, what law are we talking about? Um, like it, it, it almost, it's almost less helpful because it removes it back a step. Like now I need to go back and define, you know, okay, what's, what's the law then? What law am I breaking? What law am I transgressing? So um, take two minutes. Um, think about what is my working definition or is there a definition here that I really connect to and then we're gonna we're gonna work through that yeah Yeah. so like i keep seeing moral law moral law like is there a list (laughs) 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 yeah yeah that's a great question we we, we, we will talk about that yes (laughs) we will talk about that i'm like is there a list that i didn't get (laughs) yeah there um, it's an evolving list (laughs) yeah (laughs) That is a central question that we got to work through. Yeah. So two minutes. And talk amongst yourself too, if you kind of want to bounce some ideas off.
time, it's to me, David keeps this all the time. By itself, that's too simple. In this case, yeah. what's the mark? Well, and I think from that podcast, um, they talk about but, like, this is one of the primary ones. And then, like, once it's translated to Greek, they start using Greek idioms that kind of depart from the way that the Jews talk about Genesis. It's because they use the reason language that they had available. That's why I like the definition because it covers So if we're doing anything that's not those, we're missing the mark. Fifteen seconds. Did we solve it? <coughs> I think what's what's interesting about this too is um, here's a list of a bunch of theologians and dictionaries and everything, um, and their definitions are very different um, from each other. So, um, anybody want to share what they came up with? <laughs> Lies, you want to see if Roman will play in the hallway? <laughs> see, all right, all right. Um, Anybody have something they want to share? Bryce? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, and I think um, that's getting at kind of what I, what I think Grudem is getting at, like this idea of direct sin is is breaking something that you were commanded to do, right? Um, and that's there's moral sins and um, uh, and then there's like relational sins, right? Um, and that's helpful until we try to figure out, okay, well, like what what is what is the list then? Like like Amber's asking, right? Okay, so if Grudem says sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God, um, what is the moral law of God? Okay, and and where can can we define that clearly? Um, how about anybody else? Dif- we'll, we'll get into that more probably. Um, but that's definitions of sin. That's pretty. That's pretty standard start. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know anybody even that is not a Christian that wouldn't. That the Ten Commandments 
Yeah. yeah I, I mean, there's some, there's some that you probably, right? But I, I will talk about one. Yeah, go ahead. The McKnight one is the one that hits me the most because it's like, uh, to me, sin is very personal to uh -huh. each person. And I think that, uh, that it's like, I, I, it, it connects with me most because I think sin affects our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that if we're compromised like that, it affects, it affects how we see and interact with the world around us. Yeah. And, and so that's the one I, that's the one I, I, I do because I, yeah. and, and the, a black and white thing I was thinking about with, but it's still hard to define because Bobby was talking about cards, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think plenty of us can play cards without it mm -hmm. feeling like we're in a sinful state, in yeah. a sinful state. Yeah. So I've been up to Blackhawk yeah. and I've sat next, I've sat next to a guy with a black cloud over his head who mm -hmm. won 20 grand and didn't even didn't even blink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there's a I could tell he was compromised. Yeah. In, yeah. In a state where winning or losing it didn't mean anything to yep. him. He was consumed with this lust for yeah. This lust for the gamble. Yeah. Uh, and, mm. and and so like in that I just it's like there's a the chasm between playing cards at a at a Christian camp and <laughs> and, and having your life compromised by by, by gambling, it's yep. like, but it's still in the same vein. Well, and I, I so, so there's two really important points there. Um, one, um, uh, the, the, the hyper-relationality idea, right? Um, that when we talk about sin, we really need to talk about um, the ways that it affects us relationally. I think so much of our culture focuses on individualism and so much of our concept around sin and repentance is very individualized, you know, like I need to go confess to God, I need to repent to God, when in reality, it not only, like it affects our relationship with God, but it also affects our relationship with each other, right? So that's really important. I think the second really important thing is um, it, it's hard to just make a list. Like, is, is playing poker sinful? It depends, right? Right? The act of playing poker, like not like we, we get together every once in a while, we, we play poker and it's great. Um, but like Mike said, if you are a gambler who's addicted to it and you're full tilt and you are betting your house, like at a certain point, you know, it was was poker the sin necessarily? Probably not. Um, it's just an avenue for someone to express, you know, their own shalom break, right? So so it, we, I, I think so often we come to it and it's like, is this action a sin? And we're trying to create, you know, lists like that. Like, here's the moral law and here's the list of things that are sin. And then we run into, well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't even, even the Ten Commandments, like Jesus summarizes the Ten Commandments really well. Um, because for us, like, I, I don't know that I obey the Sabbath law. Um, I, I think there's an idea of like we, we should rest and we shouldn't be defined by our labor. Um, we shouldn't allow it to um, define us or be, be an idol to us. I don't, I don't know that I need to like not work on a specific day, right? And, and I, don't know anybody, I don't know anybody else um, in our circles who does, right? Um, 
So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, there's, there's a, when we come to the Bible, we're not just looking for the list of rules, like even the Ten Commandments, there's some that we, like, we need wisdom to figure out how does this apply to us? Like, thou shall not kill, like, are you against every, is there such a thing as a just war? Um, and some of us are going to come to different, conclu- like, some of us might be full pacifists, and, like, it's never okay for a Christian to kill. There's that, that Hacksaw Ridge movie, right, where the guy's like, I got to help my country, but I, I can't, I can't, you know, kill a person. And, um, and some of us are like, no, you know, we need to, we have a responsibility to defend, you know, our, our people and our property. And, and so there's, there's a just war, right? Um, so there's, there's, there's wisdom that needs to be um, applied here. Um, how about anybody else? Any uh, definitions, any connections with the definition, Julie? I just connect a lot to the idea of shalom breaking. Um, and, and I would just say that something that has blown my ideas around sin and culpability has been working with vulnerable populations and hearing their stories. So I'll just give one example, but most of us would say, well, if you're doing drugs and that's illegal, and then it's it's wrong against your government and it's sin for you, right? Like maybe that would feel like a cut and dry thing, but my friend Brandon, um, he grew up in a family where he was introduced to methamphetamine with his parents when he was 13 and became addicted. Um, you know, like a physical body disorder that you have to navigate out of. So is he sinning? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it him? Was it his parents? How did his parents end up in that space? Like, so I think, like, it has felt to me so, this idea so much deeper and wider. Like, that's why I think sometimes we default to the word brokenness because we're like, this is such a broken, messed up situation. Like, you know, how am I going to dig that out? Mm-hmm. And, and is my only point just to point a finger and say, well, I'm not sinning because I'm not on this, but you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I think I'm not, I wouldn't say like I have one definition that I stick to, but I do feel like it's much more, I think what's interesting is um, uh, Stanley Hauerbos has an essay he wrote called um, Sin Sick. Um, and he talks about sin as, as a sickness, um, that not only are we infected with it, but we also infect others with it. Um, and um, Plantinga in his essay talks about, um, like from, from that definition where, where we got that, um, he talks about the idea that um, we enter into a world of broken shalom. And so we are, we are corrupted by it. And then we, be, so we are, we are victims and then we become perpetrators. Um, I, I think there's, a, um, there's something we have to struggle through, like figuring out, like how does, when, when, when um, Plantinga says um, sin is culpable shalom breaking, um, like what, how far does that extend? Like, like what is, what is that culpability? Um, and then how do we do it? Cause I, in the laws, like if we go back to the old Testament laws, there were, there were conditions for like sins that you didn't even realize or sins, things that made you unclean that weren't even your fault. Right. Um, and there's ways for you to deal with that. Um, and even like offer a sacrifice for sins that you might not even know about. Right. Um, so like, I, I, I think there's, there's an element of like, um, we, we are, we are victims and perpetrators and 
We bear the responsibility of working through what's been done to us so that we don't commit more, um, we don't perpetrate more brokenness on the world, right? So, so we're not saying like, hey, you know, yeah, you had, you had a really horrible childhood full of trauma, so we're not going to blame you for anything you do. Um, what we're saying is like we understand where this behavior is coming from and we want to get underneath it rather than just make the list of like, well, meth is sin. Um, like, okay, well, what, what's underneath that? And how do we then, as a community, and this is what Scott McKnight does uh, really well in a community called Atonement. How do we, as a community, then help people to um, get underneath that sin um, and, and fight sin together? Um, okay. Oh, Amber, go ahead. And then we'll go again. Yeah. About that. You guys know I'm obviously a former, you know, competitive user. Um, and so I want to say, um, while I was in active use, um, obviously God was not a part of my life, but I did feel like I was sitting. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt that, like, I mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, obviously wrong, but I have to say that since God has came into my life, I don't feel like it was a sin. <laughs> I feel like it was just part of my journey. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like, you know, I, you know, I, I just feel like uh, it, it wasn't a sin. <laughs> I feel like God has told me that, like, no, this you know, we're not unless you, you, you know, you are, you know, someone who wasn't an addict and who isn't, you know, struggling. Um, so I just wanted to. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I, like I, I, there was, there well, you're equal regardless. You got to know that. Well, it took yeah. me a very long time. Like, I still struggle, you know, and, and yeah. feel less than, uh, I feel less than you guys sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like, you know, we're all struggling or, you know, things just don't. Don't have everything, you know, that we want or that, you know, the people that I look up to have. So I do definitely feel less than a lot. I feel not quite equal, you know, but God is definitely you know, yeah. changing that for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I, I think it's really interesting to think through, like, um, like culpability and like when, when we deal with things that, that, that are shalom breaking, um, like how how do we how do we actually approach it, right? And so much of it is like, oh, you're addicted to meth. That's a sin. You you just need to stop. And and it it should be like, what's what's underneath that? Um, what's bringing you to that? And how can we like address that issue, right? Um, and and you know, like obviously we we don't want people to be addicted to meth, right? Um, and you and you don't want that either, right? Um, but, but meth isn't necessarily the issue, right? Um, there's, there's something underneath it that's bringing people to that. And so, you know, it's easy to, to bang the gavel and condemn people for this specific behavior um, rather than actually enter into it and, um, and do what, what Tim's saying about with, where, where the kindness leads to repentance, right? Like, how do we love you out of this, this uh, addictive behavior um, and, and work through it with you? Yeah. Um, well, first, you can feel that, and we hear that you feel that, and that's totally a valid feeling. But you can also know that you're just as much an image of God as mm. any one of us. Yes. You yeah. are, Don is, Roman is, we all are. So you can feel it, and you can also know that it's not true. Um, and I also think that this whole like, ambiguity of sin also leads to so much grace. Because yeah. it's like, well, yeah. gambling's a sin. It's like, well, is it? 
If it's in this situation, maybe no, but if it's in this situation, maybe yes. And that provides so much grace for us because almost universally we detect stealing is a sin. But what if it's a kid that's stealing and doesn't understand the rules? Like, is that a sin? Or like stealing food for their kids. Right, exactly. (laughs) And so there's like, there's so many ambiguities and what ifs that it provides so many cracks in it that allow there to be grace and understanding. Um, yeah. Where I kind of see it as like, it's sin is without God's will, and on the other side, it's like within God's will, and it's a sliding scale where some things, it's like, it's kind of in the middle. It's like, we don't really know, and then there's some that are very obviously a sin, and there's kind of, I just can't think of um, proofs to... to go against it. But then there's other things that are universally true about God and how we are supposed to live. Yeah. And then there's a yeah. ton of life, most of life is in the middle. Where, <laughs> where it's like in Romans 14 it talks about, if this is a sin for you, but someone else is not, then like it's better for that person to not do it around you. Right, right. Um, and I think in that moment it would be sin for that person. Yeah. and lead the other person into what's against their own convictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mike? What, 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 if you read the Bible front to back, though, too, it's just like, it doesn't make sense because in the early parts you read stuff like shellfish and, mm-hmm. and ritual. And polyester or <laughs> mixed fabrics. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of this this sin, yeah. and then after that, it seems to go to, I don't care what religious background you're from, it seems like there's a canon of sins that we've accepted as the as acceptable sins. Shellfish, it, we decided shellfish is okay, Yeah. and women don't have to take baths once a month. I'm, I'm ritually... They don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've heard from people that don't believe in God so much laugh at is because it feels it looks like our today's today's yeah. church has picked and choose yep. choose chosen which things to yeah. keep and which things to be like, well I'm not shellfish because I, I enjoy the foster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like so so is sin is sin uh, defined by culture? Mm-hmm. Not in the Bible. Obviously, sin is a God and us thing. But yeah, but it seems like it is defined by culture on another level. And how did we? Yes. Get, how did we get there? And how? And what was that? Like, what was that even? Like, those are those Ex- are things that. Yeah, great question. Excellent. Okay, so huh? so when when John writes his letter of First John, and if if you read if you read chapter three, it's very weird. Um, he gives his. Quick definition, sin is the transgression of the law, or sin is lawlessness. Any lawlessness is sin. Sin is basically just lawlessness. And then he goes on this tangent of like, you know, anybody that keeps sinning is not born of God, and um, he that is born of God won't sin, um, and it's, it's really confusing and hard to understand. But trying to get at, what does John mean when he says sin is the transgression of the law? Like, what, what law? Because like Mike says... None of us are following every commandment in the Bible because, like, I don't actually like shellfish, so that one's easy, right? Um, But I'm probably wearing mixed fabrics right now, right? Um, 
none of you women are wearing a head covering, right? Um, when, when Mike says, like, sin is not defined by culture, but it's kind of defined by culture, right? What we want to do is we want to see, like, okay, when Paul says women should not do this stuff without their head being covered because of the angels, <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but I, I want to try to, like, use wisdom to figure out, like, what is Paul trying to get at? Because I don't think it's a big deal for us not to wear head coverings. Right? Am I picking and choosing what I want to follow? I think the bigger idea is we come to the Bible not to pick out here's the list of rules and the list of things that we do or don't do. We come to the Bible to see who God is and what he's like and how other people throughout their history wrestled through this. Like at some point in the history of Israel, for some reason, they said, guys, we shouldn't be eating shellfish. And guys, we shouldn't be wearing mixed fabric. And guys, you shouldn't boil a, a kid or a, a, a goat in his mother's milk. Um, I don't know why they decided to do that. It might be that there was something that was directly linked to the peoples around them. And it was related to like the actions and attitudes of people who were um, um, oppressors or who were um, actively committing sins. They're like, we don't want to be anything like that. Um, let's do these things to show that we are different and we are the people of God, right? And we come to that and we say, listen, none of us are struggling with boiling a, a goat in its mother's milk. None of us are like, no, there is no direct association with mixed fabrics and evil, evil people, right? I'm not going to walk in here. Like you women, if you, if you cut your hair really short, no one's going to think like, like in Paul's day, you know, it was a, a, a glory to a woman to have long hair. Um, and it was, it was because like the, the temple prostitutes like dress. None of us think that anymore, right? None of us have condemnation for uh, a guy who has long hair. Even though Paul says, doesn't nature teach us that it's a shame for a man to have long hair? So what we want to do is say, like, here's how Paul was working within his culture in order to make sure that the, the church is um, spreading the gospel without, without burden, without conflict, right? And even in some places, like, listen, eating meat offered to idols, like, we know, guys, we know that idols are nothing and meat offered to idols, it's nothing. But if someone's conscience is bothering them, don't do it. If you sit down, you get meat. Just eat it. If they don't say anything, just eat it. If they say it's been offered to an idol, then it's probably on their mind. Don't eat that. Um, so what we see is Paul using wisdom based on what he knows of who God is and how he works to say, like, here's how we approach these different situations. Right? Um, and, and yeah, there's, there's some things that, like, we know we should not be doing. Like, when we talk about breaking shalom... Um, there are things that we can do that are very obviously harmful to other people, right? Um, adultery, right? It, it's, it's fairly cut and dry that this is something, however you define it, um, this is something that is, it is breaking a vow, it is, it is destructive, it is breaking shalom. Um, there are other things where it's like, I can't come to the Bible and tell you, here's the once for all rule that you have to follow and we're going to have to use wisdom and we're going to live in community with each other that if any of us get so far along this sliding line um, that we can say, hey, like you're really approaching shalom breaking um, and, and how can we work that out together?
Does, does that make sense? Did, I mean, Tough? I was just going to say, it kind of goes with what you're saying, because I, you know, Jesus says the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, yeah. and love your neighbor as yourself. And if I remember right, he's referencing the Old Testament yeah. as well. Yeah. I think if we understood that the way God understood it, it would be obvious, and yeah. we wouldn't need any of the other law. But yeah. we don't, we're not God, you know, yeah. we need we need examples, we need how to work it out. But it's, it's I do agree with what you said, like, instead of here's this list and then that's the end of it you don't have to think anymore it's like no these are examples and you do need to use use wisdom yeah um, mm -hmm. i yeah. mean that's that's how i've always thought of it yeah. like if we really knew how to love god if we really knew how to love others most of the rest of it would be unnecessary yeah but we don't know so we need we need teaching we need yeah. guidance and you know that guidance isn't always you've said it before it's not always binding for all time and forever. I think what's important, you're, you didn't quite say it, but I think you're kind of implying it. It's like, understand what it meant to them at the time, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. And then you yep. can see where where the harm to others or the, the yeah. breaking God's law lies, and yeah. then it would make more sense, yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I think it's important, instead of just looking at something weird, and I'm not saying anyone says this here, but instead of looking at it being like, that's weird, I'm gonna ignore it, at least try to understand, yeah. what did that mean? Yeah. Where, where did this come from? Yeah. My dad yeah. has actually told me, as you mentioned it, like the whole goat in its mother's milk. Well, there was some idol, some yeah. weird sure. idol yeah. that their neighbors had back at the yeah. time that was that. And they're like, these guys kill their children. We don't want anything to do with them. Right. So like, yep. it is actually known where that comes from. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to us 3,000 yep. years later. Yeah, 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 that's that's good. Um, yeah, there's there's that element of wisdom. And I, I think the uncomfortable thing is we, we might not all come to the exact same conclusions Right, um, and that's where that's where we end up like a little bit uncomfortable, right? Um, because I I might think something sin that, that you don't, and vice versa. Um, like I, I think about this in terms of parenting. I know people who go to Proverbs, and it's like you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, or um, this idea in Proverbs where it's directly saying, you know, you should um, you should be. Hitting your children, right? That this is the way to discipline them. Um, and, and if you take the Bible as a list of commands, you might come to the conclusion that, hey, if you, if you don't spank your children, then you're in sin, right? I don't, I don't think that. Um, I, don't, I don't spank my kids. Um, some of you might, like we might come to different conclusions and you might, you might think I'm in sin because I'm disobeying a clear like, command from the Bible. Um, but hopefully we can like still be in community together, love each other and, and walk through that together in wisdom, um, and try to understand each other and know like where, where each is coming from. Um, uh, Gabe, did you have your hand up? Oh, um, yeah, like where, when you were talking about where we have all these extra commands because we're so hard-headed, where it reminded me of when the Pharisees. I think it's the Pharisees came to Jesus and they're like, isn't this how you're supposed to divorce someone? And they're like, we only said that, or that was only written because your hearts were hard and you needed help to know that. Where that's not going to be a law that's happening on the new heavens and the new earth because yeah. there is no divorce. Yeah. But we have all these extra commands that were given because our hearts were hard and at some point they're no longer needed. It's like I don't yeah. have a bedtime because I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So like at some you point, still have I... these consequences. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's not a direct rule. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I think that's good because here's an example of Jesus taking something that was a law and saying, we're going to use wisdom to apply it. Um, and let me help you understand what's behind it. And then Paul coming along even later and expanding on it even more saying, listen, if, you know, if, if you have an unbelieving spouse, like this is not something Jesus directly addressed. And so Paul expands on it even more. And the, the idea isn't, okay, we're defining the clear rules on when and how it's okay to be divorced. It's we're using wisdom to figure this out. And there's not like this, this cut and dry, you can, you can't. It's like we, we are going to use wisdom and based on what we know of who Jesus is and what he did and who God is and what he's doing, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to do our best to understand what we should do as well. Okay? Mike? There's still more super uncomfortable ones though. Yes. Like, I'm, still, like, I'm, yes. I'm saying like if you talk about homosexuality mm-hmm. and, the, and just, just the, the movement from the 80s to right now, um, it has been a complete about face, and a, a lot, a lot of churches, a lot of churches even say that that it's not that they don't believe culturally that it has changed. It's not a, it's not a simple thing. Mm-hmm. It seems to be pretty specific in the Bible about that kind of stuff. Never talking about love or how people should be treated. It's I'm uh-huh. just talking about if it's right or wrong, you know. Yeah. And that's a super uncomfortable thing to talk about, and you can make mm-hmm. enemies so yes. so many places and be and be misheard all over the place. But it's like, hey, I didn't make anything. I didn't write this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and honestly, like in in most public spaces, the the best way to make enemies in Christian circles is to like go directly to that, right? Um, and and here's the thing. I, I know some really, really good Christians, um, and there's, there's a spectrum of belief about this, right? <clears throat> I know some really good Christians who say all homosexuality is sin, um, and like, you, you know, you, we, we, should, we should maintain purity as a church and, and stand on this. I know some really good Christians who say, listen, the, um, being gay or being homosexual is, is not a sin, um, but acting on it would be, and so we're going to, I think they're, they call themselves side B Christians, right? They're, um, they're saying, like, we, we think the Bible says that the actual act of homosexuality is wrong, but not, like, the actual being or having these affections, right? And so we are going to follow the Bible, and we're going to be, um, uh, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? We're going to be chaste or celibate, right? Because we have these affections, but we think the Bible says... Um, we shouldn't act on them. I know some really good Christians who say, listen, when the Bible talks about homosexuality, um, what it's actually, like the word homosexuality doesn't appear in the Bible until the, the 80s. Um, and what it's really referencing is abusive sexual relationships um, that were homosexual in nature. That it's, 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 not, it's not specifically homosexual acts, that it's really rape. Um, and so the homosexual act itself is not shalom breaking, um, and so we wouldn't consider it sin. Um, and you know we're we're affirming in that sense, right? So, but but it feels like it feels like they all hate each other. I hear you, right? Sure, but it also it also feels like can, is there any foundation whatsoever we can have in a belief system? 
You know what I mean? Because it's like, mm -hmm. or can any is anything just how you perceive it, or is anything just how you how you how you look at it through your window? Yeah, that's convenient to you. Yep, yep. And that's that's well, what. Well, that sounds different yeah. than wisdom, somehow, right? Yeah. Like looking at my own self, or like what feels good to me, doesn't sound like the same definition as wisdom, right? Right. It sounds like this community coming alongside of each other. Like hashing something out for, like with a good intention, not like a selfish, I just want what, like, I want the Bible to say what I want it to say to benefit me because it feels good. That doesn't yeah. feel like wisdom. It's not even to benefit you, but like sometimes yeah. we, we, we read uncomfortable things that we're like, well, I just cannot be uncomfortable. So I have to find a way to like either deny this mm -hmm. or fully accept it or whatever instead of being able to say like I don't understand this but like these are this is what I know about God right? yeah. like this is what I know about his character this is what I know about his like intention toward me humanity right like mm. and so I can like have this and be like uncomfortable and uncertain about it like but also trust God mm -hmm. yeah. and I think that that's yeah. I fully know how that works, you know, but I think sometimes it's like, yeah, like like we, we, we don't believe that there's a possibility of having something that is uncomfortable in our belief system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like we have to be 100% comfortable yes. with every single thing that we believe yep. in order for it to be, like, legitimate, yep. you know? Yep. Or then we throw it all out. Right, we yeah. throw it yeah. out or we piecemeal it, you yeah. know, like yeah. Thomas Jefferson style. <laughs> And I don't know, like I don't know that there's like I felt those exact same ways like that you you felt, you know, like is there anything that we can like agree on as believers? Is yeah. there anything that we can say this is true? And of course there are, but like it's really uncomfortable. Like it's super uncomfortable. You I know? Think, yeah. like, and I think it's just hard and I feel I feel like even with sin, like sometimes we get into the nitty gritty of trying to understand like why is this particular thing sin mm -hmm. you know like and trying to almost like prove its sinfulness you know like why is it that god says that sin like like having sex before marriage is sin mm. like and trying to like justify <laughs> and prove like well here are the ways it could be harmful and here are yeah. the ways it could be yeah. you know and there's something to that right like but i think in some ways it just kind of comes down to the fact that like are we like willing to trust god or are we yeah. To trust God, like, yeah. and we don't have to completely agree with God to trust God. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, yep. I don't have to say, like, I fully understand all the reasons why this is something that you say I shouldn't do. Like, you know, it doesn't always make sense to me. Like, but, yeah. you know, but like, am I, yeah, like, I feel like there's a, I was listening to a podcast and they said, like, I think it was like St. Ignatius of Loyola or whatever, like, his definition of sin was like an unwillingness to trust God. <laughs> and that really like stood out to me like like yeah like deep down it's kind of like I'm not really willing to trust you in this like I don't really think that that like like maybe I don't think that that's the best thing to do maybe I think there's something else that's better but like am I still willing to do this thing because like you ultimately are the one that I'm like obeying not yeah. the like rule itself right like, yeah I don't know that's and a whole tangent mm -hmm. No, it's good. And just and just real real quick too, and I think and I think a lot of this kind of comes down to the question about what do we expect out of the Bible, right? Like, if we come to the Bible and expect certainty on every issue that we are going to experience in life, um, we're probably going to be left a little bit frustrated, 
right? So let me just give a quick example because there's like the Ten Commandments, like a pretty standard list that everybody's aware of. It says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. Then we get to the story about uh, the massacre in Canaan. And it basically says, well, God has murdered people and children and wiped out like villages. And like, what do we do with that? Right? There's, there's a lot of things that we can be like, all right, like I come to this and I say, I don't feel like this is in line with God's character or who Jesus is or what it's about. So something else has to be going on here and be okay with that like tension or that like we don't fully understand what's going on or what God is trying to communicate or what is going on with the story. So we come to the scriptures like with with each of us have a particular lens, like we have to recognize that lens that we look at scripture with. And then we say, all right, like, does this remind me of Jesus? Like, how does, how does Jesus approach these things? Like Jesus says, you have heard it said, thou shalt not murder. Well, I say, if you have hate in your heart, like that's a little bit different. So we come to scripture with the lens of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus and he is restoring all things to the way it should be. But it doesn't leave us with certainty on a lot of these things, right? Like there's still a lot of, like don't murder. That's a pretty basic shalom breaking thing, at least in our minds. And then when we come to some of these other things, like we're, we're, we're not left with certainty. So if like, I would just say, if you, if you come to the scriptures to give you certainty about everything that you should do, you're gonna be left frustrated. Um, because the Bible doesn't really offer that. But what it does offer is wisdom in certain things. It offers you the life and death and resurrection of Jesus who is making all things new. And that's the trajectory of the biblical story. And we're going to still be left with questions, which we're going to wrestle with like this. Like that's, that's kind of the part, uh, a big part and parcel of these kind of conversations. And I think that's... Yeah. Well, it kind of feels a little. I know you guys don't say this, but it kind of feels like Bible blast sometimes. But like, like that's a part of why we were given. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know a ton about the Spirit, but the part we do know where He's illuminating, He is illuminating us. You're ruining our transition to the next. No, no, segue for next. This whole life takes light out. That's that's excellent. Yeah. I, I think the, the struggle is, like, like, like Bobby said, we, we don't come to the Bible looking for certainty and everything. And I think what Mike is saying is like, well, do I have any certainty, right? Um, like, or is it just, you know, we're all trying to figure this out. I think there, there are some things that we can say, like, all three, you know, sides on the spectrum would agree that you should not use your sexuality to oppress people. Uh, you shouldn't use your sexuality to abuse or, or harm people. Right. Um, there, there are things that, yeah, we, we are certain about we can, we can agree on. Um, and um, and we're going to we're going to use wisdom. And um, I'm, otherwise, what, what, what are we going to say? Am I going to tell like these other Christians that um, you are affirming sin and you are a sinner? And first John three says that people who are born of God don't keep sinning. Right. Um, and and if I'm understanding what John is saying, then it feels like, you know, you guys are not born of, or, or the people who, like, like wherever I land, um, it'd be very easy to start hurling these, um, you know, you're, you're not really, a, because, 
like, we, 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 we got to wrestle with First John at some point, right? What does it mean then? And our, our, is, is that what sin is? Um, because it, it, if, if that's what it is, I feel like maybe I'm not a child of God. Um, so anyway, um, it's not that we don't have certainty in anything. Um, it's that we have a different kind of certainty. Um, and it's, it's less based in direct commands, and it's more based in what are we learning about who God is and what he's doing um, through his word. Um, that, yes, yes, let's finish up. Um, there's, we were going to talk about repentance. Um, uh, we'll, we'll cover it at some other time um, and uh, spend a little time there because um, we didn't get to I, I appreciate this. I hope this is like a safe place to like talk about some of these things. Um, and wrestle through them and not all come to the same conclusions and then keep working um, in the same direction. Um, and ultimately, like, we are meant to love each other really well um, and, and work through this. But um, Tim's going to lead us in another song. Chas is going to pass around the, uh, the communion bread and the Can cup. Um, and then we'll, uh, and we'll finish up. <laughs>